And today, we'll be talking about conversation with Jesus on our theme on Jesus. As a church, we are focusing on Jesus as the creator, as savior, and of course, how he relates to us. In many ways, last week, we had Rob Payne shared about the compassion of Jesus. Uh, Previously, we shared about the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ. And today, we'll look at a conversation Jesus had with a very good friend. Okay? And uh, sometimes I read the scriptures and learn the interaction Jesus is having. It's so deep and we read it and we forget or we misunderstand some of the things going on. Um, So, conversation with Jesus. This is Jesus with his friend, Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Simon replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Amen. I mean, that's incredible vow to make. What a commitment. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Interesting conversation, isn't it? His be- one of his best friends, by the way. So, the title today is Promises and Fulfillment. Promises and Fulfillment. Now, when we look at this, how many promises are in here? How many promises did Jesus make? And did Peter make a promise? Yes. Peter made a promise. Who do you think is going to keep his promise in this? <laughs> did Peter fulfill his promise? How many of you think he did fulfill his promise? Some. Okay, no, totally. Do you think, okay, close your eyes so that uh, you don't get embarrassed. Close your eyes for a moment. If you think Peter fully fulfilled his promise, raise your hand. Okay, if you think he failed, raise your hand. Okay, interesting. You didn't close your eyes anyway. (laughs) But, um, Jesus made a promise to Peter. He said, Satan has asked to sift you. It's interesting. Satan is amazing, isn't he? Amazing in there. Not so much amazing like, let's glorify him. <laughs> but what uh, Derek said, what Derek said is exactly what Satan does with all of us. It's incredible. I think human beings, as we grow, we realize, I'm thinking, as a teenager, the things I did, who was running the show? I mean, my grandmother took me to church every Sunday. I went to a boys' boarding school where every if you are late to church, you get six lashes. Wow. So, by the way, if you are late today, if you went to the school I went to, you'd have got six lashes. <laughs> okay, that was the deal. Um, so, it's not like Christianity wasn't around me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And yet, Satan was running the show. Yeah. And he does so even today. It's not on the board, but Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. This is what he says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers 
so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. That is Satan's job. To blind all of us from the truth. And he's doing a pretty good job, believe me. He did it with all of us from the beginning. Goodness gracious. I'm here by the grace of God. And when he shared what he shared, I could identify with what he was saying. Mm -hmm. Satan runs the show. Mm -hmm. All the things our parents did, or grandparents, they're trying to keep us on the right path. Mm -hmm. Satan will intervene and want to destroy. Mm -hmm. But Satan has for permission to scatter Mm -hmm. the disciples. Oh, he did the same with Job, by the way. Mm Goes to God and said, God, have you, God says to him, have you considered my servant Job? He said, give me permission. He said, okay, you have permission, but don't destroy his soul. And honestly, Satan will, he will not end. He's got just one goal. His time is short to stop you from entering the kingdom of God. And he's doing it even today. He's doing it with our children. He's doing it all over the world. But, um, The next thing Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Wow, if I got a phone call from Jesus and Roger Frimpong, I have prayed for you. I'll be so fired. I mean, Jesus prayed for me. That means it will be answered. It will happen. You see what I'm saying? I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And you are going to come back and you strengthen your brothers. Of course, Peter didn't get it. He said, Lord, forget about Satan. I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus said, Peter, you have no idea what you are saying. Before the rooster crows today, just today, you are going to deny me three times. You deny that you knew me. Of course, after that, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus goes out to pray. And when he came back three times, what were they doing? They were sleeping. The army comes round, and what does Peter do? Take the sword, slash somebody's ear, take me to prison, kill me. Jesus said, no, 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 Peter, you don't get it. Jesus take the ear, put it back to the guy, and, um, you know, Peter thought he would do this on his strength. His aggressive nature. Do you understand what I'm saying? He taught. That's how he's going to fight this battle. We don't fight Satan with weapons, do we? According to the scriptures. Anyway, so Peter is now confused. (laughs) Jesus, I said I'll fight for you. I did a thing and then you put an ear back. What what are you doing? (laughs) And you you surrendered to these guys who are about to take, to go to war. Jesus diffuses the situation. We'll go next. So Peter, they seized Jesus, they led him away, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. What is Peter doing? Peter is following at a distance. And when some had, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Wow. So Peter is sitting with them by the fireside. Okay. 
at a distance. He's a bit confused at this point, thinking what's happening to my Lord. A servant girl saw him seated there in the fire, probably Peter was handsome, so I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but this girl looked at Peter and said, I know you. I know you. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. What did Peter say? He denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Wow. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. For he was... Oh, a little little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I'm not. Peter replied. Another asserted, He's a Galilean, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you disown me three times. Verse 62, what did he do? He went outside and wept bitterly. Wow. The promise I made is failed. I failed. <laughs> On the first day, that's how Peter felt at this point. Sitting by the fire, I have failed. Jesus looked at him and he thought, this is the end. So, Peter, at this point, feels a sense of failure. Jesus, of course, faces the cross, crucified. On the third day, he raised, he's raised from the dead. He visits the disciples. But Peter, at this point, has given up. Has given up what it was all about. So, he goes fishing. We take it from John 21's account. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going now to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Wow. Peter, what is he doing? He's giving up. Wow. A vow that he made. I will die with you. I'll go to prison. Satan will not stop us. Now he's giving up. Let's go fishing. And so they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. How discouraging could that be? Mm. Wow. Early in the morning, Jesus stood at the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? I mean, Jesus can be funny, can't he? (laughs) He knew they didn't have anything. He was teasing them. Friends, have you got any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. In the Luke account, Peter said, we have fished all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, we are going to do it. When they did, they were unable to 
pour the nets in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. I mean, I love Peter. Jumped into the water and started swimming towards Jesus. And the rest of the disciples are hauling the... How many were in the boat at this point? Seven of them. <laughs> okay. So Peter is out there. Six of them. Two probably rowing. And the rest trying to pull the net behind. And Peter is swimming ahead of them. It's just a beautiful scene, isn't it? <laughs> I want to see these things in movies. <laughs> Peter swimming towards Jesus. Shocked. The other disciples, the disciple whom Jesus said is Peter, Peter jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. That's why I said Jesus was teasing them. He didn't need their fish. I don't know where he got the fish, but he's already cooked the breakfast. <laughs> and he asked them, do you have fish? But they came and there was burning coals there with fish on it. Now, Jesus feeds them. But let's think about pizza for a moment. There is food. They are eating breakfast. But when Peter sees that fire, what is he thinking? When was the last time there was fire and Jesus was around? What is Peter thinking? Looking at the fire. He's thinking, wow. The others are eating breakfast. And he indeed eating breakfast. But um, something else is going through his mind. Bob Marley sang a song, them belly food, but they am hungry. Them belly food, but they am hungry. You remember that song? Yeah. <laughs> you, your belly may be full, but you are still missing something. And even though breakfast was being said, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. He fed them. Beautiful thing. Yesterday, a bunch of brothers were, we were in the car praying because it was raining. Okay. And then we went for breakfast. Mm-hmm. I was looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. 9 a.m., the greasy Joe mm-hmm. in Waterspoon, the, 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 the rugby was on. Mm-hmm. But brothers met and had breakfast, mm-hmm. organized by our brother Brian Davis. It was encouraging to be with the brothers. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of this moment, Jesus and these guys having breakfast. But Peter is thinking about something else. And Jesus knows what Peter is thinking. The fire reminds him of something. So what does he do? 
Put his hand around him, Peter, let's go and talk. Let's go and talk. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, oh, son of John, Simon Barjona, some scriptures will say, do you love me more than this? Wow, deep question. What did they go out to do? To fish all night, they didn't catch a thing. I mean, fishermen live to fish. Their whole dream is to have a bumper catch. And this is the best they've got. 153, large. I mean, they couldn't even carry it. This is their dream come true. So Jesus pulled Peter and said, Peter, that is your dream. Do you love me more than this? You have to make decisions. When I was invited to become a, to study the Bible, I was an accountancy student. My whole aim is to become an accountant, a tax accountant. Why? Because I'll cheat the tax system and make money. <laughs> okay, that was my aim, to make yeah, money. Tell us. To make money. Qualify as an accountant to make money. And I studied the Bible. And I remember Matthew 28 very well, where they said, go and make disciples of all nations. Mm. And I, honestly, I had to ask myself, do you really want to be a disciple? Because if you decide to be a follower of Christ, mm. you may be somewhere in a village somewhere in Africa one day teaching the Bible. Mm. And that wasn't my dream at that point. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. The ministry wasn't my dream. But I also wanted to follow Christ. And... Um, I counted the cost, but when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, I knew it would be forever. Amen. It's a decision I made, and Satan will be on my case, and he has been on my case, but I thought I will not deny the Lord. It's a decision I made. And I did become an accountant, and I did become head of finance for a big organization, and um <laughs> And I was enjoying my life as a Christian. And this is why I say sometimes Christians, we need to watch our heart. Nobody five years ago will ever doubt my commitments as a disciple of Christ. You won't have me missing meetings. Every week I'll study the Bible with people. I love reading my Bible. I love praying. I love spending time with people. Nobody will doubt my commitment as a disciple of Christ. I used to be in the south side. Barbara is here. She'll know me. But then I was asked to come into the full-time ministry. And I thought, the first time I said, no. <laughs> I don't want to be in the full-time ministry. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's what I said. And for a whole year, I said no. <clears throat> and for a whole year, I asked myself, why did I say no to the full-time ministry? And for me, I'm not saying if you're not in the full-time ministry, you are like, But for me... I have become materialistic in my heart. That was, it came to that bottom line. I had become very materialistic in my life. I have got to the peak of my career. In fact, my job, I could do in my sleep at this point. If you have been an accountant for a while and you understand the legislation and everything, goodness, the auditors will come, they look their work, they sign, they are gone. And it happens the next year, and I manage my staff. You understand what I'm saying? I have disciplined myself to know my discipline, so to speak. And I could do my job well. You couldn't fault me in that. HMRC will phone, they won't get me. Charities Commission won't get 
the auditors. Yeah. I, was, I knew my brief. Yeah. And indeed, in this nation, if you're of my color, you need to know your brief to be top. Yeah. I'm not being discriminatory here. It's the fact of life. Okay. I knew my brief. I studied hard for it. I was a trustee for three charities. I was a governor for two schools. I was volunteer for organizations. I have organized my life carefully. Okay. I remember taking my family to a holiday. We're in this three-story um, chateau somewhere in France. We didn't pay a penny. Why was that? Because the charity I was a trustee of, the chair owns this thing. Mm-hmm. And he said, do you want a holiday? I said, no, at the beginning, actually. Mm-hmm. I thought, why do I want to go on holiday in France? Mm-hmm. And um, so, <laughs> I got home and I said to Jackie, this guy asked me if I want to go and use a villa in France. I said, no. Jackie said, what did you say? Phone <laughs> <laughs> them back. So honestly, the guy was a Euro star going back to France. And I phoned him. I said, oh, my wife will said we should have the holiday. And we went. The children were young then. And uh, it was three-story. Just the four of us in this huge building. Okay. <laughs> With these surroundings. I mean, I'm not used to these things. Yeah. One hour drive to uh, Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, it's funny. When children are ch- little, they think daddy owns everything. <laughs> <laughs> so they came back and said, daddy, when do we go back to our house in France? <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> The big, the funny thing is, when we went, the, the top floor of this building, this guy, funny enough, he's an Englishman, but decided to move to France many years ago. So, he's got this old wardrobe, okay, and it's huge, but quintessential English wardrobe, okay, huge case, nicely, and uh, my, my daughters were young then, they, they've been watching Narnia. <laughs> so when this holiday and I got back and I heard noises in the room I thought my girls are hoping this and they are shouting Narnia Narnia I'm thinking oh bless their hearts but you get a picture so they had a wonderful time I personally was afraid I thought man this is a remote place there's four of us what if somebody came and killed us I just seriously I was thinking, I can't speak a word of French. And, uh, why are we in this area? I mean, daytime is night, but nighttime is so dark. And I think, if somebody walks in here and shoots all four of us, I read it on the news, what do we do? Anyway. So, my point is, my heart has been corrupted by all these benefits I was getting in my role. I used to say, I used to go to the Arsenal Stadium Memories. Okay, I used to get tickets to Emirates all the time. People would die for it. I, I, I didn't like it. I was going to sit in the presidential. Seriously, I take people to football. They are shouting and I'm sitting in the presidential executive booth watching the football on the screen because it's not something I wanted to do. But I've been giving these free tickets to Emirates. And when I said to brothers, bro, I got two tickets to Emirates. Do you want to come with me? They, bro, you know. <laughs> so all these benefits. But my point is your heart could be corrupted mm-hmm. and Jesus said do you love this more than me wow a comparison and I think disciples we need to ask ourselves what is our dream that we hold on to and Jesus said do you love me more than these dreams okay 
Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he says, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, do you love me? Yes, love, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. I love that. What is he saying? The divinity of Christ again. You know all things. You are the Lord. Just as he said in Luke, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You know all things. You know that I love you. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Wow. That's what we are called to do, brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. We are called to take care of the sheep. Of each other and the world around us. Okay. Nothing else matters. We are all going to die. We are all going to die. Would we enter the kingdom? What would be said of us? Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter will glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So, Jesus said, you are going to come back. That was a promise, wasn't it? Peter is back. (laughs) That's what Jesus said. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you turn back, he's turned back now. He's restored. Come follow me. Amen. And then you are going to strengthen your brothers. Now, let's look at Peter's promise. Verse 33. Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Was that fulfilled? Exactly. Eventually. He turned back because Jesus promised his back. And guys, in our hearts, we need to come back to Christ all the time. We need to feed the sheep. We need to feed the lamb. And Christians, honestly, I don't know how you use your time. But for me, a Christian should be somebody who loves the Lord and loves people. And we need to feed the lamb. We need to study the Bible with people, whether you're in the ministry or not. And again, I say this not to boast. When I wasn't in the full-time ministry, every week I study the Bible with somebody. In spite of my busy schedule, I allocated that time. I used to cut the 6.45 train. It was 20 minutes journey to work. It was going the opposite way, so I always had a seat. That was my Bible study. When I got out of the train, 20 minutes walk to the office, I prayed. That was my daily routine. Weekends, I wanted to spend time with the brothers. We met at 5.30 a.m. Because we were all busy and professional. Our children had extracurricular activity. So as brothers, we met 5.30 to pray and hang out. D group, whatever you call it. Thursday evening was one evening I was free. And I don't 
It doesn't matter who brought a visitor, I'll set up a study with them. And if I don't have a study with non-Christian, I will meet with a young Christian to do follow-up studies and encourage them. I committed myself to that. So when Corey asked me to come in the ministry and I said no, I said, why do you want me in the ministry? He said, bro, every person who baptized you studied the Bible with. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. The church was big. I wouldn't even know who was getting baptized mm-hmm. on what day. But if people came to church, and so for me, if you're a professional mm-hmm. and you think, oh, I don't have time, make time. Mm-hmm. It's good for your soul. Yeah. It will be good for your soul. Make time to know the Bible, by the way, first. Mm-hmm. Know the Bible yourself and make time for people. Mm-hmm. And my, I used to read the Bible till 3 a.m. sometimes. And I had a busy schedule. Why? I wanted to know God's word. It is important. I say this because I've been there. I'm not imposing it on people. It was good for my soul. And even now, there's so much learning to be done. I know that. There's so much learning to be done. So Peter is back. But he said, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. On the day of Pentecost, who preached? Peter. Peter stood up. When they said, these guys are drunk, they are mad. Peter stood up with eleven and raised his voice and preached the word. Amen. And then the guy said, Peter, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and you for your children and for all who are far off. That's why I said, when Jesus said, feed my lamb, it's not just those who are here today, all who are far off. All who are far off. Whom the Lord will call. We have that obligation. So when we go out and share our faith with strangers, it's not like, no, this is what Jesus wants us to do. And the Holy Spirit goes ahead of us to prepare those people. He came and strengthened the brothers. Peter kept that promise. He went to prison. Acts 12. It was at this time King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter. And what did he do with Peter? He put him in prison. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Amen. So Peter went to prison. What did Peter say to Jesus? I'll go to prison for you. Peter kept his word. Oh, by the way, but it wasn't on his strength. You remember? He's now a different man. He wasn't going on his terms anymore. This time... The authorities come and grab him. He didn't go and slash somebody's ear. He was a man of peace. Preaching the gospel of peace. But this time it was on God's strength. Not Peter's strategy. Peter went to prison. Peter died. I'll go to death for you. Very truly, what we just read, Jesus said, when we were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when we are old, you stretch out your hands 
How did Jesus die? He said, you stretch out your hands. Peter will stretch out his hands. He was crucified. You stretch out your hands. And someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter will glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. The kind of death he was going to stretch out his hands. And of course, the historic account of Peter's death, Simon called Peter by Christ, died 33, four years after the death of Christ. The time and manner of the apostles martyred them are less certain. According to early writers, he died at about the time of the Neronian persecution, AD 67-68. All agreed that he was crucified. Oregon says that Peter felt himself to be unworthy to be put to death in the same manner as his master and was therefore, at his request, crucified with his head downward. That is how Peter died. But Peter kept his promise, didn't he? But at that point, when he failed, he he didn't think he was going to keep that promise. And we are going to fail in our Christian life. If you are a Christian, you are going to fail. But that's not the end. It will boost your character. If you are a Christian, you are going to fail. There are many times the thought came to me, leave, give up Christianity. Leave the thoughts came all the time. Reflection. Jesus, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are always yes in Christ. Amen? Amen. Jesus' promises will never fail. You may think it's not working, but it will never fail. Amen? Amen. For disciples, the promises we made shouldn't be kept on our strength. Amen? Amen? Our lives are hidden in Christ. We shouldn't use our own strategy. We should use the strength of the Holy Spirit. We made vows when we became disciples. I made my vows when I said Jesus is Lord. Amen. I made my vows when I said Jesus is Lord. I said I love the Lord my God with all my heart, heart, soul and strength. I'll deny myself and take up my cross daily. It's one of the vows I made. I'll make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey. I made that vow. Amen. I'll love one another as Jesus did. We made those vows. I'll persevere to the end. Those are the scriptures we looked at before we went into the waters of baptism. But we don't keep it on our strength. We need the strength of the Holy Spirit to see us through. We need to be humble. But those promises we made will be kept to the very end. Because Jesus said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. His promises never fail. So, the promises we make, Jesus will keep his. He always keeps his. He's always yes in Christ. But as disciples, are we going to be humble, be covered by Christ so that we can fulfill our promise to you? Thank you very much for your time.